Welcome to the podcast of Koinonia Okotoks Youth. Thank you for joining us as we study the word. Hello, everybody, and welcome. Thank you guys for joining me. Uh, so this morning, we're going to, we finally going to move on from Solomon after quite a while of studying Solomon. So this morning, we're going to be looking through 1 Kings chapter 12. So if you guys have a Bible, you can turn there. And while you do that, I'm going to quickly go over what we learned last week. So last week, we saw Sol- or God raise up his third adversary against Solomon, remembering that the first two were enemy were from enemy nations. So they were enemies from without. And then the third was from Israel, so an enemy from within. Jeroboam, the third adversary, was the third adversary. And he was the one who was going to take over as king in the nation of Israel. He was given a prophecy by Ahijah that said he would reign over ten tribes of Israel, but Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, would keep one, which was a combination of Judah and Benjamin, as we'll see this morning. He was also given the same rule that Solomon was given by God, which was, keep me central, follow my judgments, my commands, follow after me. Uh, If Jeroboam was to do so, God promised to establish him. Solomon, he then tried to kill Jeroboam, so Jeroboam fled to Egypt. Solomon also, he tried to change God's will. He, he, he made last, a last-ditch attempt to try and change the will of God. Nothing can change the will of God, right? We also saw Solomon die, right? Where we were told of that Solomon died, and he died as many, de- many do foolish. The wisest man ever died a fool. So, the conclusion of Solomon's life, as I came to last week, was this. He lost focus, or he never really had the right focus. So, this morning, uh, moving on from Solomon, we will be looking at the revolt of Israel and a mistake made by Jeroboam in what I'm calling the tale of two kingdoms. Let's pray, and then we will dive on in. So Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you for your word. I thank you for some nice weather. Lord, I just pray right now as we go through 1 Kings chapter 12 here, Lord, that you will uh, give us ears to hear what you have to say. Lord, help us to uh, not just hear it, but but do it. And Lord, be hearers of the word as well as doers of the word, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I love you. And I pray this all in your name. Amen. Okay, so... Looking at first at verses, First uh, Kings chapter twelve, verse one through five, it says, "And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone to Shechem to make him king." So what happened when Jeroboam the son of Nebat heard it? He was still in Egypt, for he had fled from the presence of King Solomon and had been dwelling in Egypt. That they sent and called called him. Then Jeroboam and the whole assembly of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy, now therefore lighten the burdensome service of your father and the heavy and his heavy yoke which he put on us, and we will serve you. So he said to them, Depart for three days and come back to me. 
and the people departed. So, looking at these first five verses, the first thing we see is that Rehoboam is being crowned king. He's going to Shechem because Israel is there to crown him king. Now, I would like to remind you guys that Rehoboam was not to be king over all Israel. He was just to be king over Judah. So, there's an assumption made by the people that that Rehoboam is the logical next king. We know otherwise, right? We know the words of the Lord here. They don't. Uh, There is a side note here that I want to point out, uh, early side note. Um, I just love the fact that Rehoboam, he's assumed to be the next king. Of course, there's the fact that there's no other son of Solomon recorded or mentioned by name. But he, Solomon did have many, many wives, so he definitely had another son. Like, there's no way he didn't have another son. Uh, so I just find it interesting that there's no conflict, like what Solomon had to do, had, had before coming to King with Adonijah. So I just thought that was an interesting side note. It really doesn't uh, apply that much here. Um, but getting back in it, the next thing we see is that um, Jeroboam, he hears of the news that Rehoboam is being made king over Israel. And we even see that Jeroboam is still in Egypt where he fled and dwelt from Solomon. So, hearing the news, he gets called back to Israel, where he speaks to Rehoboam with the whole assembly. Notice that he doesn't just come out and say, you are not the king of Israel. The lo- like, he's been given a prophecy by God, by, from Ahijah, that Rehoboam will not be king over all Israel. Noticing the fact that this is in front of the whole assembly, I would assume that Ahijah is a part of the whole assembly where he could just stand up and be like, I second that motion, right? Like, yes, God did say that. But that's not what Jeroboam does. He comes humbly, right? Instead of saying, hey, you're not the king, I'm the king. You don't. You get Judah, I get the rest. He comes humbly and he says, Solomon, your father, made our yokes heavy. And if you lighten them, we will serve you. This statement very likely is the reason why he rebelled in the first place. Because he made the yoke heavy on the entire nation. Now that doesn't just mean labor force. That means taxes. That means that everything that Solomon built was built because of the extreme taxes that the people were were forced to give. The beautiful palace, the beautiful temple, the walls, any construction projects in general, that was all funded by the people under a very heavy yoke. And they're just and he's saying, "Hey, if you lighten the yoke which your father gave us, will serve you. If you lessen the taxes, remove the labor force, just lower things, we will serve you. He's coming humbly. He's he's getting his, his problem off the table 
so that he can then move forward. So instead of Jeroboam coming and saying, Ahijah gave me a prophecy, and Ahijah confirming the prophecy, instead of doing that, he takes the approach of reconciliation. He gives Rehoboam the chance to fix the mistake. I see a similarity here between what the people wanted fixed and what God had warned them regarding kings back in 1 Samuel when they asked Samuel to ask God to give them a king. Right? So looking at 1 Samuel 8, I'm not going to read the entire passage of 10 through 18. I'll read chunks of it. But first looking at chapter 8 verses uh, 10 through 12, it says, So Samuel told all the words of God of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And he said, This will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his for his own chariots, and to be his horsemen, and some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over thousands, captains over fifties will set some to plow the ground and reap his harvest, and some to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. And then verse 15, He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officers and servants. And then lastly, 17 through 18, which says, He will take a tenth of your sheep, and you will be his servant, and you will cry out in that day because your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Notice that the people are, 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 are afflicted by this king, by Solomon, right? They're, the, the yoke that was laid, it's just so much. Yet, that's what was promised when they asked for a king. What we see in 1 Samuel, and more so, was done by all the kings of Israel. They step out of line, the people cry out, God doesn't hear them, because he promised not to hear them for them crying out. So there's an expression here that works perfectly, and it's um, the expression is, they made their beds, and now they must lay in them. Right? So Rehoboam, he, he hears them. Whether he, he's going to listen to them or not, we'll see later. Uh, but he hears them. And he says, come back in three days, and I will make my decision. So there is a little bit of wisdom on his part. He's like, I just need to hear, I need to uh, talk to some people, figure out if this is the best thing for us. Uh, I'll make my decision in three days. So there is there is honor in what he does here. So I think that's great. We'll see his decision making next, looking at, Verses 6 through 11, it says, Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders, who stood before his father Solomon while he still lived. And he said, How do you advise me to answer these people? And they spoke to him, saying, If you will be a servant to these people today and serve them and answer them and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. But he rejected the advice which the elders had given him and consulted the young men who he, who had grown up with him, who stood before him. And he said to them, What advice do you give? How should we answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, Lighten the yoke which your father put on us? Then the young men who had grown up with him spoke to him, saying, Thus 
you should speak to this people who have spoken to you, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you made it lighter on us. You make it lighter on us. Thus you shall say to them, My little finger will be thicker than my father's waist. And now whereas my father put a heavy yoke on you, I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, I will chastise you with scourges. So God say quite the decision making process that he's got here in these three days. Right? So in these verses we see that the elders who served King Solomon, the wisest king, probably have some life experience, uh, give the advice to Rehoboam that he should hear them out. Hear the people out, listen, come humbly, be their servant, and they will serve you. Do what they ask. That's not what Rehoboam wanted to hear, right? But I've mentioned this point before briefly when in our studies through Solomon. Uh, but the whole point of the book of Proverbs was to help guide Solomon's children, whom Rehoboam was one of. So he, sh- he could have also turned to the book of Proverbs to get some advice and some wisdom from the wisest man who ever lived, right? So looking at Proverbs 29, 23, it says, Pride brings a person low, but the lowly in spirit gain honor. And then Proverbs eighteen twelve: Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty, and before honor is humility. So, Rehoboam, he was, he, was, he was advised by the elders to take the humble route. Come lowly, right? And you'll gain honor. Come lowly and you'll have honor. Like, easy. Easy to get. But instead, he follows his buddies. These buddies who he grew up with. People who have no life experience in these situations, That makes logical sense, right? So instead of lightening the load, which the elders recommended, he he decides, "Mm, I'm gonna I'm gonna increase the load. Instead of taking a step back in punishment and for enforcement of the labor force, he says, I'm gonna take a step forward. Chastise you with whips. I'm gonna chastise you with scourges. Like. He took the good advice and he kind of just tossed it to the side and he's like, this other advice, this sounds good. So horrible start for Rehoboam. He listens to the young guns instead of the the old, old men who clearly know what they're talking about. Now what we also see here is that Rehoboam, he's the opposite of Jesus, right? Rehoboam, his, his yoke was heavy and his burden was even heavier. Yet we see back in the Gospels, can't on the top of my head, can't remember exactly where, but Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light. They're opposites. That's not a good thing. <laughs> Especially being from the same line, Jesus replaces the <laughs> stupidity of Rehoboam. So moving on here, uh, we get to see how uh, the pe- how, how Rehoboam answers the people. Looking at verse twelve through fifteen, it says, 
So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king had directed, saying, Come back to me the third day. Then the king answered the people roughly and rejected the advice which the elders had given them. And he spoke to them according to the advice of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges. So the king did not listen to the people. For the turn of events was from the Lord, that he might fulfill his word, which the Lord had spoken by Ahijah the Shilonite to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. So, first off, he comes back after the three days, which he had said, wisely said, to answer the people. But instead of coming with nice words, he came harsh. He, he was harsh with the people. And, and it's an interesting thing that the event, this, of, this exact event, caused the people to turn from Rehoboam, which we'll, uh, we will be looking at a little bit uh, after this. Now, looking at Jeroboam quickly, if he had done things my way, he probably wouldn't have gotten all the ten tribes which God had promised him to side with him. Because Jeroboam had, you know, just been anointed king. There was no, um, nothing, he, he hadn't done anything wrong. But this exact event coming harshly to the people it caused the people to turn on Rehoboam, which caused the tribes to turn to Jeroboam. So, realistically, God's plan worked in the end, and Jeroboam coming humbly, it also worked out in the end. The next thing was that Rehoboam, he wasn't a king for the people. Right? He didn't listen to the people, which, you know, that's one of the main requirements of being a king for the people, the people's champ, the people's king is listening to the people. Um, he didn't do. Instead, he was harsh and vindictive. I love how one commentator connected um, this to Ecclesiastes. Uh, he did it brilliantly. He said, Rehoboam was a fool. Ironically, his father Solomon worried about losing all he worked for under a foolish successor. Looking at Ecclesiastes, he then said, Then I hated all my labor, in which I had toiled under the sun, because I must leave it to a man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will rule over all my labor in which I toiled, and in which I have shown myself wise under the sun. This also is vanity. So exactly what Solomon worried about, it came true. He was rightfully worried, right? Rehoboam, he was not wise in this situation, and he didn't realize that what the people they were asking for was actually what was best for the people. And if it was best for the people, it was best for the king, because the king then had loyal subjects. So it's a, it's, it comes full circle. But So all I can actually say here about Rehoboam is this, foolish and stupid. Solomon, he was rightfully worried. So moving on now, looking at verses 16 through 24, we're going to see the results of Rehoboam's foolish leaderships. It says, Now when all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, 
The people answered the king, saying, What share have we in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Now see to your own house, O David. So Israel departed to their tents. But Rehoboam reigned over the children of Israel who dwelt in the cities of Judah. Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was in charge of the revenue, but all Israel stoned him with stones, and he died. Therefore King Rehoboam mounted his chariot in haste to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. Now it came to pass, when all Israel heard that Jeroboam had come back, they sent him for him and called him to the congregation and made him king over all Israel. There was none who followed the house of David, but the tribe of Judah only. And when Rehoboam came to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah with the tribe of Benjamin, 180,000 chosen men who were warriors to fight against the house of Israel, that he might restore the kingdom to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. But the word of, the, of God came to Shemaiah, the man of God, saying, Speak to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, to all the house of Judah and Benjamin, and to the rest of the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, You shall not go up, nor fight, against your brethren, the children of Israel, lest every man return to his, let every man return to his house. For this thing is from me, therefore they obeyed the word of the Lord, and turned back according to the word of the Lord. So, the first response we see from the people is unhappiness. They said they have no part, they said they have no share with the line of David. David was the best king Israel ever had and will ever have apart from Jesus. And these people are rejecting the line of David, instituting a divide that would last for generations. What they also did uh, was they departed. They said, see to your own house, which further instituted the divide. They're like, see how you handle things by yourself. Right? But Rehoboam, he, he doesn't actually seem to take this too seriously. Because he still tries to, tries to collect taxes from the people. Rehoboam decides to send his chief tax collector, Adoram, who gets stoned to death. Rehoboam shows once again that he is not a good leader, nor is he a wise leader. The people are unhappy, and he's like, you know what? I think I can still t collect taxes from them. They don't want any part in David's line. They're not going to want to give you money, right? So horrible leadership, horrible decision making, right? Looking at uh, Jeroboam for a second, we see that Israel, hearing of his return, decide we're going to make him king over Israel. This, this is where the divide happens. All the tribes, except for Benjamin and Judah, follow after Jeroboam. And Judah and Benjamin, they decide to follow Rehoboam. Now, this is not, uh, this is not okay to Rehoboam. It's not. He decides, 
I need to get my inheritance back. So he raises up an army to try and take his inheritance, quote-unquote inheritance, because God's already taken it from him. He's trying to take it back by force. Not a good sign. But God steps in and intervenes by sending a man by the name of Shemaiah to inform Rehoboam not to fight. Now, I do want to point out this before we move on to the next section uh, about what Rehoboam does when he hears the word of God from Shemaiah. Now, I can point out every character flaw Rehoboam has. It's not that hard. They're fairly evident. He's a horrible leader. He's unwise. He's not a man of the people. right? He, he listens to... Uh, young men instead of elders, I could, the list can go on, and it can, we will eventually expand that list, right? I can point out all the character flaws, but there is a good thing here. He listens to God. He, he didn't attack. He didn't fight Israel. Instead, he turned back, listening to God. Now, both Judah and Israel, they're going to fall away from God. And there will be times when you have, uh, there are going to be times when you have, uh, have kings that follow God and kings that don't follow God. You got like notable kings like Josiah, uh, who's a godly king. So there's going to be kings that follow, kings that don't. Uh, Rehoboam here, in all his failings, listened to God. Now that does not mean that Rehoboam is going to go on to be like uh, one of those godly kings. That's like the opposite of what happens with him. But instead of failing again and again and again, he, he does listen to God here, uh, which is important. right? And moving on next, we're going to see how Jeroboam fails to heed God's words. So looking now at verse 25, it says, Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim and dwelt there. Also, he went out from there and built Penuel. So, the first thing that we see Jeroboam doing, looking at moving from Rehoboam's reign, quickly looking at the other kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, the first thing Jeroboam does is builds. He, he, he's starting from scratch, remember. right? David and Solomon, they had Jerusalem, and they had years to build it up with its walls, its defenses, its palaces, its temple, right? They had years. Jeroboam didn't have Jerusalem because Jerusalem was part of the tribe of Benjamin, which was in Judah. So he decides that he's going to build his own capital city, which is wise when he's trying to build up a kingdom. He needs walled cities. He needs a capital. He needs to start building up those defenses. So I would consider this a wise way to start off. But sadly, that's where it all goes wrong after this. Uh, but before jumping into what he does next, um, he also builds up Penuel. Um, this is a side note, but Penuel, uh, in case you guys were curious what Penuel is or if there's significance there, that's the same place where Jacob got his hip dislocated by an angel of the Lord. Otherwise, um, people think it's a Christophany, which means an appearance of Jesus before Jesus was born. So there's a lot in there. But um, so that's that Penuel is is where that event took place. So 
Um, that's interesting that he chose that as his other uh, defense. So that's cool. So looking now at uh, verses 26 through 33, basically through the end of the chapter, it says, And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom may return to the house of David. If these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord of Jerusalem, then the heart of the people will turn back to their Lord, King Rehoboam of Judah, and they will kill me and go back to Rehoboam, King of Judah. Therefore, the king asked advice, made two calves of gold, and said to the people, Is it too much for you to go up to Jerusalem? Here are your gods, O Israel, which brought you up from the land of Egypt." And he said, set one, set up one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Now this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan. He made shrines on the high places and made priests from every class of people who were not of the sons of Levi. Jeroboam ordained a feast on the fifteenth day of the eighth month, like the feast that was in Judah. He offered sacrifices on the altar, so he did at Bethel, sacrificing the calves to the calves that he had made. And at Bethel he installed the priests of the high places which he had made. So he made offerings on the altar, which he had made at Bethel on the fifteenth day of the eighth month, in the month which he had devised in his own heart, and he ordained a feast for the children of Israel and offered sacrifices on the altar and burned incense. So right away, the first thing we see here is insecurity. He's fearful that the people, if they have to continue going to Jerusalem, will turn from him will turn on him. They will kill him. They will go back to Rehoboam, to the line of David. Remember that God told Jeroboam, he promised Jeroboam, if you follow after me, keep my commandments, my judgments, my statutes, that Jeroboam, he would be established. He would have an enduring house. God told him this. God told him if he, that he would be established, yet we see that he is fearful. If the people kept worshiping the God of Israel, which promised him that they would return to the heir of the line of David. Instead of listening to God, to the word of, from God, he goes his own way, which is not really his own way, but instead uh, following after the folly or stupidity of the Hebrews when they left Egypt. Turning to uh, back to Exodus chapter 32, verse 1 through 4, it says, um, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming, that de Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us out, up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears, and brought them to Aaron. 
and they received the gold from their and he received the gold from their hands and he fashioned with it with engraving tools and made a molded calf and he and they said this is your god o israel that brought you up out of the land of egypt notice the exact same wording used at the end as what jeroboam claims so that's that's kind of um problematic but to give some context to what we just read in Exodus, Moses had been up on the mountain with God for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, that also means Joshua. Joshua wasn't, I don't know if Joshua was at the exact same place where Moses was talking to God or if he was on like a precipice, or whatever, but he was up on the mountain, right? So both of Israel's leaders were gone. All they had was Aaron, which Aaron was also a leader. So like, that's a problem. But Moses, he had been up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, if you go back, uh, looking at this account, um, the account of what happened during this period between God and Moses, it started in Exodus 24, and it goes all the way through Exodus 32. This whole period of time is where God, where he got the law for the Sabbath, where he got the Ten Commandments, where he got the instructions for building the tabernacle, like the different um, items needed for the tabernacle, the clothing, like there's a lot of stuff given to him in this 40 days and 40 nights. Yet, while he was up there, the people lost contentment and decided to build a false god. Jeroboam now, with that context, Jeroboam being afraid, he did the same thing and turned from God and decided to double down on what the Hebrews did in Exodus and then he built two golden calves and he placed one in Bethel and one in Dan. Now there is a lot that I could say about the rest of the chapter that because it goes into like how he made the priests um, who were not Levites, he, he ordained a feast, he chose a day, he offered sacrifice. Like I could go into the, all the meaning behind that, but I feel a great way to end this is this way. We started this morning with Rehoboam making horrible decision after horrible decision after horrible decision. Whereas Jeroboam, he started great. He came humbly. He didn't jump to conclusions. He didn't all like he came humbly. That's that's the key. But we end today with Jeroboam turning from God because of insecurity, even though God had promised him. And then Rehoboam ended today listening to the messenger of God, which did not mean that Rehoboam followed after God. Do you see the contrast? It doesn't matter how you start. It matters how you finish. That's the point of this one. Right? So in closing this morning, we saw, uh, we saw a lot. The first thing was Rehoboam was foolish. He, fo he was foolish because he listened to those who had no idea what they were talking about, no experience previously. We need to be listening to our elders. Chances are they've experienced what they're going what we are going through 
And they just want to save us the hurt. I think about, look back and be like, if I just listened to my dad on certain situations or my mom on certain situations, they probably were trying to save me from a lot of hurt. And I probably would have been saved from a lot of hurt if I had listened, right? So we need to listen to our elders. That's the first thing. The second thing was Rehoboam, he took up arms against Israel, but then listened to God when he said, do not attack. He started horribly this morning but he ended listening to God. Which does not necessarily make up for everything wrong he did and does after. But that's a good... He, he listened to God. And then three, Jeroboam started off great, but ended poorly. And he's only going to get worse. Don't let the enemy have a foothold in your life. Because he will stretch it for all it's worth. He is not content having a little foothold. He wants the whole thing. So don't let insecurity or fear get in the way. Trust in the Lord. So thus we have the beginning of what will be three weeks, I believe, of the tale of two kingdoms. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for uh, just the stories of Rehoboam and Jeroboam and everything that we can learn through them and everything that we've been able to learn through the different kings in uh, Israel so far. Lord, I just pray that um, as we go today, that we'll be taking what we're learning and not just letting it go in one ear and out the other, Lord, just but, a, a, but allowing it to apply to our lives. Lord, actually learning and doing. So, Lord, I just pray that as we go today that we'll be doing your word. Lord, that we will follow after you, keep you central. Lord, I pray this on your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or concerns, we would love to get your feedback. You can message us on our Instagram or our Facebook page.